Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. If you've been reading the headlines, you're probably aware that there's concern that inflation may be looming. As a matter of fact, it may be just around the corner. And if so, how does it affect you as an investor? How is it going to affect the money that you've got that you want to invest? And where are the ways, what are the strategies to use to protect yourself? We're going to talk about someone who's going to give us some great advice on all of this. His name is Joe Hemsley. He's a certified financial planner, and he is a personal wealth advisor. I like those titles, Joe. I want to be a personally wealthy person. So let's talk. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Shirley. And yourself? Very well. Thank you. And welcome. Welcome. You always have good information for our, our listeners. Let's talk about the, the, the headlines saying that we think inflation is going to be a problem. We haven't had inflation in years. I mean, we've been really in a rather stable economy. What's going on right now that's, that leads people to saying that they think this is going to happen? Well, a big, a big part of it has been the reaction to financial crises and economic crises that we've had over the last decade plus, where in the U.S. and in other countries, central bank banks and legislators and administrators have taken actions that were unprecedented, pumping, to put it bluntly, pumping money into the system, much more so than they've ever done before in reaction to um, the similar types of challenges. So the great debate then becomes, will this be the time where that does not lead to inflation? Because typically the degree to which money is being created would basically cheapen each dollar, which is of course inflation. Which means you have less dollars. In the US, it's not just happening in the US, it's, you know, these types of things are happening elsewhere, but the U.S. is certainly leading the way on this. So the more money we create, uh, in other words, we're printing it, the more it's likely to create inflation and making the value of those dollars less in terms of purchasing for consumers. Is that fair? Yeah, as as economists like to say, that is true, all other things being equal. (laughs) (laughs) We always have to put in in a a phrase there to say, well, we don't really know what's happening, but here's what we think. Well, I know yeah. it's, it's a tricky time right now, but lot, lots of things have gone on that contribute to what's going to be a tightening of, of, I suspect, and from what I'm reading, that there's going to be a tightening of supplies of a lot of things, like our restaurant industry, for example, because so many of them have closed. I'm, I'm a, just, it really breaks my heart when I drive around my city and see the restaurants that actually have gone out of business and others have struggled with yeah. smaller staff and you know it's all been but now if things are loosening up and it seems to be then we're going to see a surge in demand there but that's going to put a squeeze on them because can they meet that demand that's going to affect the economy as well is it not it is and it, and staying on that same top of of inflation a big part of inflation is labor costs, you know, it's not just supplies and materials, but it's a a bigger part of it really is typically when employers have to pay more to keep people employed and and keep them uh, retained. And the labor market in the U.S. is tightening up rapidly. 
And that itself is likely to lead to higher wages across the board. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, there's, there's the economic challenge of a rapid recovery and there's the inflation fallout that could well come from that. Well, what, okay. So here we are, we're trying to scare people. We don't really intend to do that. We're just trying to put a reasonable picture on our economy. And I, I know that that's your goal as well, Joe. Uh, let, let's look at this and what it terms it means to us as consumers. So we're, we're having a lot more competition for maybe a smaller number of supplies. And this, I take it, is going on around the world. This is not just a United States problem. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the global economy is so interconnected now. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of a client that works in uh, the field of audio video equipment. And when the pandemic first started, uh, his business actually was already beginning to slow down before the U.S. was really in the pandemic because his supply chain really comes out of Asia. And they were already affected by it. So and then he his business kind of started recovering uh, a little earlier than some others in the U.S. because mm-hmm. supply chain was starting to pick up over there. I mean, even golf equipment. I to be <laughs> forthcoming, I ordered a new uh, uh, lob wedge the other day, and I was told that that it would take about six to eight weeks to get it, when normally mm-hmm. it's ten days. Just a you know a, a piece of metal and a piece of rubber. Yeah. Uh, but it's remarkable what goes into all that. So, well, it has to be produced. That's right. There's the materials and then there's the labor. There's the production of it. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it is, it's a very interesting time. Okay. So, so what, what is your prediction? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I, I think that we are going to see higher prices for consumers. Um, then the next debate, if one accepts that, is how long will that last? And really, frankly, we were overdue for some inflation, like even coming into last year before the pandemic hit, uh, inflation had been low for quite some time, in part because global uh, global labor costs remained very modest. And that, you know, so um, manufacturers could go to countries and find places that were relatively inexpensive to boost things. Consumer standpoint, in terms of what I think is going to happen, I do think that many areas of your personal budget will go up some. Um, then you have to think in terms of can you match that with your your own wage increases, or if you happen to be fortunate enough to have assets, will those assets also rise? Because often assets and, and inflation move upwards in tandem as businesses you know, uh, pass uh, those costs through to the consumer, their, their company's shares rise in value. So I, you know, I do think for a while folks should uh, prepare and plan for that. You know, it's going to be different in different segments of your purchasing. The technology products will have their own inflation rate and health service, healthcare services will certainly have their own. Uh, but just as you plan out your finances, just brace for that a little bit. You know, a lot of folks may feel a little flush right now because they may not have spent as much money as they typically do uh, as life maybe got a little quieter uh, for many. Uh, and so now they're um, thinking about spending a little more money, but let's just be mindful of the fact that what you do spend it on will probably be going up in price for, you know, fairly quickly for a bit. So let's be careful out there, as they say. Oh, yeah, that's, that's extremely good advice. Let's just uh, take a brief pause here uh, to let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. We're talking with Joe Hemsley, 
who is a certified financial planner and he is a private wealth advisor. And we're talking about the, the thing, the impact, well, partly from COVID, partly just world conditions. But I think a lot of this, Joe, has been caused by COVID. Was, would you say that? The concern about inflation, is that partly driven by the COVID problems? Yeah, I think so, Shirley. As I, as I mentioned a little earlier, I think we were probably due for some inflation anyway. Mm -hmm. And then, frankly, we had a little bit go the other way, where, where prices uh, on some things started to come down as, as demand dried up. Yeah. So part of this is just recovering back to where we would have been. Part of it is we were overdue for some of it. And then part of it is uh, what we were also discussing, which is the amount of money being pumped into the system. So you take all three of those parts and you, you, know, you, you brace for uh, more inflation. But uh, yes, a big part of it was uh, in reaction to the pandemic. Well, now, as the stock prices go up, um, I'm sorry, as the surging, as the economy, I mean, we're seeing jobs created, we're seeing housing market is so hot right now. You, I mean, people are getting 10 and 12 bids on a house. They put it up and three days later, they've got 14. One person I know got 14 bids on a house. Um, it's rather extraordinary time in terms of, of, of that segment of our economy. Are these surging factors going to drive up the stock market? Well, I, yeah, I think um, th there's a correlation between housing prices and the value of shares of companies in that there's a, there's a lot of money available on the sidelines and also to borrow. Um, the powers that be are seeing to it that that's the case. You talk uh, about the, partly the Federal Reserve? Yeah, the, the central bank and then just the, the amount of money mm -hmm. legislated into different industries. Um, and then just the backstop of confidence to banks of being able to lend. And so it, it yeah, it, 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 there's part of, it is related, it's correlated. I think the housing market always has its own unique characteristics. Um, here again, we were probably due for, you know, a shift demographically as people are retiring and, and relocating uh, in droves that in certain areas of the US, you'd see housing prices rise. The other thing that's happening is um, because the elimination of state and local income taxes in effect uh, for many uh, took place a few years ago, after a couple of tax return filings, people realized, wait a minute, this is really expensive to live here. So we're seeing some lower and more moderate state income tax places uh, receive a lot of people. And so the housing markets are up. Um, oh, yeah. You're see we're seeing a significant demographic shift from high tax states to the ones that some don't even have personal property taxes. And so it, that is an interesting move. I think that has been going on for a while, but I think it's just been accelerated by all that we're seeing. And if people are like me and they've been home for such a long time, I'm now hiring, I'm gonna hire someone to come in and do a lot of work on my house. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. we, we sit around, I think the, the, and the contracting business is really busy. Uh, the people that I've talked to saying, yeah, they're, they're booking months out. So um, yeah. we, we're all spending, we're all trying to recuperate from, from the 
terrible times that we've done, we've been through. Okay, so let's yeah. let's look at um, the employment conditions are improving. We're seeing that are more and more people being employed? I truthfully did not check the unemployment figures just recently. Uh, what's going on in the situation of employment? Well, you said there's a tight job market. Is that only in it, certain segments or is that in general? Yeah, so it's both. So it's not across the board, but it's largely generally true. And there are certain segments that uh, are recovering rapidly. So what I was alluding to is the trajectory of it um, from where we were to where we are. Mm -hmm. We're seeing significant tightening, improvement, jobs being taken, people coming back in, uh, that sort of thing. Now, that, the, the, you know, there's parts of the economy where unemployment did not increase, um, that people were able to work remotely and so forth. But for the areas where that was not the case, we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of tightening, a lot of jobs mm -hmm. being filled. Um, you know, there's probably still exceptions, um, you know, uh, probably not as many people working rides at amusement parks and so forth just yet, you know, but uh, it, it's really coming back on fairly strong. And uh, so that has all kinds of uh, implications, most of which are positive, of course. Um, um, and it also renders very interesting, you know, the amount of firepower that's being thrown at the slower economy from the federal government. You know, it, it, and so the uh, big topic is, is this just a giant overshoot of support coming in that'll have side, uh, side effects um, that'll turn out to be, in retrospect, not necessary. That's yeah. a tough argument to make when folks are still out of work. It sounds you know, uh, like someone lacks compassion to think that way. So it's it's quite a political issue. Okay, let, let's talk about, for the consumer who's listening to this and, and is thinking, okay, where do I go? How do I invest? Where, where do I look to what segments of the economy are we expecting the greatest growth? And of course, we're, we're hearing and seeing the growth in, in the, the housing market, for example. Um, where should smart people put their money? I know that's a rather broad question. Sure, sure, sure. But it's always a, it's always a, a, a good question at any moment in time. So one way to think about that is um, you think about potential um, next set of conditions for investing, let's say, your monies that you don't need for uh, you know, the projects around the house and um, uh, other things that are more immediate, but, but monies that are for longer term, retirement, education, other goals. You think about it in terms of economic scenarios. You know, the, the economy could be growing, it could be slowing down, inflation could be rising, inflation could be falling. There's sort of, uh, you know, a few scenarios there and, and you can combine them. So one way to, in, at any given time, to assess where you are is to think in terms of, okay, um, do I have the expertise to understand what's likely to happen next? Um, should I get some help with that? And even getting help one should still cover all of those bases through diversification because, hey, 
advisors can be wrong, economists can be wrong. So you wanna, as part of your planning, you wanna acknowledge, what if we're wrong about this inflation idea we've been talking about today? What if inflation actually doesn't rise that much? Let me just stop you for a moment, Joe, because we need to take a a break here. Um, This is a good point. Uh, Let me just let our listeners know they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Joe Hemsley. He is a certified financial planner and he is a private wealth advisor. Um, Joe, going back to this where we could admit that we've been wrong, we're not going to have inflation, whatnot. Are there segments of the economy, the segments of the investing world where you think are going to be hotter than others? I mean, we've already talked about the housing. Sure, sure. Uh, What other areas do you see in your crystal ball? Well, staying on that theme of uh, economics and inflation and so forth, um, uh, uh, commodity prices go through these big super cycles. And we may be in one now where, you know, you see things like copper um, and then you know, even precious metals um, are, are always a factor. Agricultural uh, needs that people have, uh, energy prices. Um, th- these are areas that are getting a lot of attention these days because we hadn't had inflation and a lot of commodities prices hadn't kept up with other types of assets. And we're starting to see a shift there. Tell, so, tell our listeners what you mean by commodities. Well, really, each of the three broad uh, segments of materials that are needed to produce or consume things. So you're going to have agricultural commodities, you know, you know literally orange juice, you know, wheat, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, things like that across the board. Um, and this is a market that tends to be more volatile than um, corporate investment. Is that correct? I would, yeah. Um, commodity prices can be pretty volatile, um, but don't. The idea here is not to isolate one or two, and right, but to do it in a broad, broad sweep. I got. Yeah, you. it's it's to make sure that um, those types of uh, assets in some form find their way into a diversified portfolio in part, again, to protect against rising inflation because mm-hmm. of inflation is uh, inflate as uh, wages, as we talked about and labor, but part of it is materials. So why not invest in the materials? So- I, I hear you. And as you, you've often said, because I've interviewed many, many times before, and you've often said that diversifying your investments, not just putting all your money in one basket, is the smartest move. Now, what would you see is, what would be an ideal portfolio if you were to sit down and say, Shirley, I'm going to make you a lot of money. Here's the areas that we should invest or take away the fact that you promised to make me a lot of money, which is probably not ethical. Uh, <laughs> where is the safest place for me to put my money? How would you set up a portfolio, I guess, is what I'm asking you. Well, so um, great question. Always a great question. So you know, there, I think there were a couple of things in there. Part of it was, hey, how do I make the most money? And then another one, how do I keep my money safe? So yes, of course, they're, right. they're, 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 uh, it's a bit of a, of a, of a, of a, uh, it's a bit of a conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're opposite 
uh, objectives, frankly, to some degree. So you're talking to a financial planner. So I have to come back and say, I'd first want to make sure that we have a plan in place. And so when we talk about that, you know, there's many elements to it. But for this purpose, we'll say, think of it in terms of the timing of the use of those resources so that we have a good sense of how much money is going to be needed from those assets over the next few years, over the next several years, and then longer term. So we need to know that first, really, or should want to discover that first before we start then filling in the blanks of the allocation, you know, where, where capital should go. And so you're taking what, it, what can I afford to risk and what, is, what are my long-term goals? I guess those are things that consumers need to ask themselves before they even consult a financial planner. Yeah, and, and they may need some help from the planner. In, doing, in formulating the questions, I yeah. understand. Yeah, yes. it's, a, it's a bit of both, right? Um, but that's what anyone's going to need to know in order to help answer that question. Um, you know, so the answer is different, obviously, for somebody that's 25 uh, than if they're 85. Um, and um, it goes to personal preferences too. An 85-year-old might still invest for the longer term because they've determined they have all the resources they'll ever need and they're investing for a legacy, you know, loved ones. Yeah, sure. Nonprofit. That makes sense. Support. Certainly. Conversely, a 25-year-old might feel they have a shorter time horizon because they want to buy that first house. Um, um, or pay for grad school or something. Well, like. Let me go back to my original question because we only have a couple minutes left. Sure. Are there some segments that you see having growth faster than others in terms yeah. of investment? Sure. Um, well, I mentioned one to keep an eye on and make sure that it you, know, you consider it, which is the whole commodity space. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Then pivoting off of that, um, clearly within the broad realm of technology, you're going to get, you're going to get some of the greatest growth. You know, there, technology. And that's been true in the past too. It has. And um, it's just exploding in so many directions. So an analogy though, in terms of how to go about it and be careful with it would be the automobile industry, which, which it's at one point in the U S there were several hundred automobile companies, manufacturers, and of course, eventually that worked its way down to just a few. So the same thing can happen in any industry and certainly in, in different areas of technology. So one has to be careful not to bet too, too much of the portfolio on one or two ideas, uh, but think in terms of broader themes and how to spread it out, you know, and just... Yeah be thinking of that automobile analogy along the way. All those companies sounded like they would be the next great one. And for one reason or another, didn't quite pan out. Yeah. It, um, so. um, unfortunately, the, the great dreams don't necessarily come true when that can take your money with it. So that could be a, a rather disturbing thing. Joe, what is your website that people can go and get information? Oh, thanks, Charlie. So my practice is affiliated with Ameriprise. So it's going to... Um, Ameriprise, and then t- and uh, putting in my name, Joseph Hemsley, H-E-M-S-L-E-Y. So it's basically uh, Ameriprise uh, slash Joseph Hemsley. Okay, Joe, thank you so much. It's, the time has flown by. I can't believe it. It always does. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Um, and we're thankful for our listeners. I'd just like to tell you, you've been listening to a consuming interest.
My guest has been Joe Hemsley, who is a, a, finan a certified financial advisor, and the certified part is important, and he's also a personal wealth manager. So, uh, Joe, thank you again, and we thank you for joining us. If you can reach me, it's Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.